3: You might be expecting us to talk about Joe Biden and hiding all the documents and, oh my gosh, and the CDC and stroke. No, not today. Not on this episode of Critical Thinking. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. We're going to be talking climate change and the sudden anti-gas stove movement. Boy, oh boy, are we in for a fun episode. We are literally going to critically think through climate change. Unlike any other show, I think that's going to be out there today. So strap yourselves in. It is time to critically think. Yes, indeed. It is time to critically think. Pat, I hope you had a good weekend. You can follow him at The Pat Only Show. Me, Moa, myself, I, Andrew Coppins, at The Coppins Show. Of course, download, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. And of course, you can always watch us over on the Rumble channel, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. We hit a milestone over the break. We are over 100 subscribers. That might not seem like a lot. And we have uh, much loftier goals <laughs> over time. But uh, you got to chop you know, wood one, <laughs> one log at a time, if you will, right? Uh, you can't exactly just... Uh, Take one bite of the apple and it's all gone. That that, that doesn't work that way. So um, if you know somebody who would like to critically think and not just be propagandized to come over this way, let them know about the show. Rumble.com backslash critical thinking is where you can go and you can hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of the show. All right. That having been said, Pat, over the weekend, we had a myriad of topics that we could have covered, but. I think we kind of honed in on the fact that there was an excellent breakdown on a video. And we kind of hinted about this on, I think, WTF Wednesday last week, that people are now there's this massive movement in the leftist socialist uh, side of things to to ban gas stoves in America because first world problems and because... um, it creates asthma and cancer and all sorts of things. So is that really true? Well, Alex Epstein, who is probably one of the biggest, I wouldn't say skeptics of climate change, because he, I believe, well, he believes that climate change is real, but it is an argument over how much humanity has to do with that. And are we actually capable as human beings of reversing nature and nature's course. So I, I think that's kind of where he comes down on this. And, and his argument is that until we find that that renewable, great source of energy that everybody can use, that wouldn't, quote unquote, hurt the planet, we have to continue to innovate and use what we currently have as technology. So we're going to we're going to dive deep into alex epstein but i want you to i I cannot articulate a better i think argument when it comes to how ridiculous it is for the west how ridiculous it is for this notion that everybody in the world must follow our western higher than thou ideology when it comes to climate change and i saw this recently on twitter it was a debate at oxford And I'm just going to play it here because this this clip goes for about seven and a half, almost eight minutes. But I'm going to play just the portion um, that makes what I would suggest is the ultimate rational argument against climate change. And I think it's a, a argument that not a lot of people are going to understand. Right, Pat? Not a lot of people are going to make it. Because it is highly politically incorrect, I, at least in today's Western culture, if you will.
2: So here it is. You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshipping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. <laughs> Let us all accept right here, right now, that we are living through a climate emergency and our stocks of polar bears are running extremely low. I join you in this view. I truly do. Now, what are we to do about this huge problem facing humanity? What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions. Which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people, who couldn't give a shit about saving the planet. No, thank you. No, thank you. It's going to be decided by poor people in Asia and Latin America, who don't care about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. Because they're poor. I come from Russia, which is not a poor country, it's a middle-income country. 20% 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. And I don't mean one of those nice port-a-loos that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury port-a-loo. I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground that holds a collected, fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. <laughs> How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom And erect a Siberian shithouse in the back garden. (laughs) And if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came, and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself. And you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later. You have clawed your way of the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very communist party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want. Prosperity. Economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities?
3: So, Pat, I want to get your thoughts here before I go any further uh, on what he had to say there, because basically what he's boiling this down to for the people who um, don't know the rest of what he's going to say, because we don't have time to get into it. But basically, he's boiling this argument down to what? Those people who are seeking the ladder up the rungs of the ladder economically that we have already gone through, right? We've already climbed all the way to the top of the economic ladder in the West. We are the richest of the rich, right? Those people who want to climb the ladder, we're, we're going to kick the ladder out from underneath them. And more importantly, those people who are attempting to do that, you know, survive malnutrition, survive all the things that are going on, right? Right? They don't care about anything other than their own survival. That's his argument. Poor people don't care about your climate change crisis because they have much more important things. So, what say you about what he had to say?
1: Well, when you sent this to me last night, and I, I because I watched the whole thing, mm-hmm. this is probably the one, of, one of if not the most brilliant take i've ever seen on the woke climate change agenda it's something i think a lot of us myself included have tried to articulate over the years when it comes to this topic of why are people in other countries specifically poorer countries than you know western civilization why are they going to care about that when as you said they have more important things to to um, worry about like how they're going to put food on the table.
3: It's not even how they're going to put food mm-hmm. on the table. Okay, that that that's an American Western worry. It's do
1: I even have food? Right, right. That's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And so, you know how how are they going to do that? And so he goes on um, later in this in this argument, and I and I think that this actually is a, a pretty good way of taking it as well is. If you are going to go down this climate change agenda, and you, you alluded to this already, you have to use the technology, innovate, create with what we have available. And on top of that, and this is probably the, even the bigger crux to all of that, is that once you've taken that technology, you've innovated, you've created something that that Helps the whole climate change agenda. It also has to be something that's cheap, something that people can't afford. Mm-hmm. So you you can't you can't just sit here and say, "Well, we got to do this. We got to do that." Okay, how do you expect people to afford it? Is exactly what it's going to come down to
3: exactly, and it comes down to 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 exactly what you were saying. He's making the argument that because these people are attempting to climb the ladder and they're starting at the bottom rung, right? They're starting where we started in probably the 1840s, right? During the Industrial Revolution, okay? Yeah. They're arguably starting there. And how do we know that? Because we're paying the equivalent wage of that day, okay, to people in China to produce your textiles and your goods that you wear every single day for hundreds of dollars. So congratulations, sucker, right? But but my larger point is, you don't. And and this is one that Euron Brooks has made too, Pat. You can't make these people jump from rung one to rung hundred on the ladder, and no, skip the other ninety nine. It doesn't work that way, and it can never work that way, because they would ultimately fail. Why? Because they don't have the processes, they don't have the understanding, the ability to create the infrastructure, to create the things that need to be created to get you further and further up the ladder. We didn't get to where we are overnight. They're not either. So for the person that's facing that 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 food insecurity, if you will, real food insecurity, not I have to go a mile instead of 0.5 miles to get my food from a grocery store, right? That's not food insecurity, by the way. That's not real food insecurity. Real food insecurity is, I have no ability to have access to any food at all. I'm about to die. Nobody in America faces that unless they are doing so of their own free will. Things like addiction, All of that sort of stuff. Unless they are doing it to themselves, you do not have this problem in America. You don't. It is actually your own choices that lead you down that path. Now, having said that, because of the place on the economic ladder that these people exist upon, it's the technology. It is not cheap. It is not abundant. It is difficult. It is expensive. And maybe in 40, 50, 60 years, where we were, because I'll ask you this, Pat, when they, when they started producing the fossil fuel of, of crude oil to gasoline, was that cheap? No. It took people's capital, hence capitalism. And large investments in it, like physical danger, right? Life altering right. danger. Mm-hmm. Okay. It took massive risk. To get where we are today, in that production line, it takes massive risk. It still takes massive massive risk today, by the way. You know, Joe Biden points out we have all these unused um and unfulfilled. Uh, land grants right for exploration of fossil fuels yes joe you're correct and it's largely because they need the exploration time to take in and figure out where these things exist or if they exist or what forms they exist in look at natural gas look at um look at fracking right Look at how expensive that idea is just here in the United States of America. You think that a hundred plus million people starving in China, right? Give two craps. Quite literally. About what about being able to frack versus get a, a way to heat a home or produce food for themselves. No, they don't care. And you, as much as your moral preening ideology wants you to believe that, you'll never get them to care about this as a topic. Why? Because they have life and death as topics one, two, three, four, and five.
1: Hashtag first world problems.
3: And and I'm not suggesting, by the way, and I've never suggested that we don't become better stewards of our planet. I've never suggested that, but what I am suggesting is that you cannot force people who shouldn't care about it to care about it. The people of India, great example of this, right? There are hundreds of millions of people in India who can't even read, who can't even write, who have no ab- literate ability Do you think they give two flying craps about how they get to live? No. No! They're focused on living. Period. Point blank. Just living until tomorrow. And then the I mean, next day. And the week after that. I mean, you can't, put yourself- you, can't, you can't possibly... You don't live in the same world if you believe that these people should care about the planet as much as you do no 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 no. you don't care about the planet on an equal playing field either by the way because for them caring about the caring about the planet is their prosperity for you caring about the planet is keeping them poor so that they can't pollute the earth anymore that's the other argument that he's making here right
1: Right. Well, I mean, put yourself in their shoes for, for just a minute, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I mean that, that's part of the argument that he's, I think, making without really making is put yourself in their shoes. If, if you were in their position, what would you do? Would you be caring about how you're going to survive from one day to the next? And or, he also does this in reverse, Pat, right. where he talks about
3: the experience of the 20% of people in Russia who don't even have... They have to go to an outhouse every single day, right. not okay. out of choice, not out of going to Glastonbury Festival, right? Right. What he's talking about is you wouldn't give up your creature comforts to go backwards, right? But you're expecting these people to do that. They, they can't make the progress that you have made because your moral preening, right? Right. But that doesn't mean that we don't also advance technology, right? That's not what he's saying. What no, he is saying is... How dare you moralize to the people who are attempting to climb the ladder that you've already climbed? And until these people have climbed to the point that you are at, right, the reality is that they need the things that you used to climb up that ladder. That includes cheap, abundant sources of fuel. And we're about to talk about sources of fuel in a moment. Well, before we do that, Pat, why don't we play a little bit of the B or not the B? Are you ready? Oh, I'm very ready today. Uh, okay, we'll we'll uh, we'll see
1: about that. Well, put it this way: I'm more ready than to use a Russian outhouse.
3: <laughs> ten, ten, the fermented memories of ten thousand <laughs> prior uses. I'm He was fantastic in terms of being able to satirize and relationalize um, the Mm -hmm. argument that he was making. I I found it absolutely compelling. You can find it on Twitter as well. Um, But yeah, go find the whole thing because it was absolutely fantastic. The debate itself, by the way, is about an hour and a half long. And if you've never seen an Oxford debate or an Oxford style debate, I love them because both sides are getting equal time. They deal with the issue at hand. We're not going off into la-la land most times. So it's an absolutely fantastic situation. But anyway, Pat, back to the be or not the be, where we discuss whether or not this headline is real, basically.
1: All righty then. COVID experts are continuing to figure out the stuff the rest of us have been saying for the last three years. COVID experts are continuing to figure out the stuff the rest of us have been saying for the last three years. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. Folks, while Andrew was thinking about that, it is Monday morning. If you're like me at all, you're not a morning person. I am not a morning person. I know I sound like a morning person right now, but I promise you, I am not a morning person, and I'm especially not a Monday morning person. So if you need a good pick-me-up, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. They've got all sorts of great flavors over there. So you don't have to just get like straight up black coffee. There are there are different things that you can get if you are into that, that flavor type style of coffee. If you're not into coffee and you, you'd rather have a little bit of tea, they've got some tea as well. You don't do tea or coffee like me. They've got hot chocolate and they've got hot chocolate and different great flavors as well. Um, <clears throat> I will also say this. Everything comes to you fresh, single batch fresh. And on top of all that, they don't care what your politics are. They don't care if you are pro-climate change or if you would rather focus on some other issue. They don't care. They don't care. They care about giving you a good product. They Mm -hmm. care about giving you a good customer experience. They don't want to insult you. So, go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, use the promo code Critical Thinking at Checkout. You'll get 5% off your purchase today. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com, promo code Critical Thinking at Checkout, and get 5% off your purchase today. COVID experts are continuing to figure out the stuff the rest of us have been saying for the last three years. Andrew Coppins, is this the B or not the B?
3: So, because I know what what has been taking place, I have to go with this being not the B because what do we know that the CDC has figured out, and because this is something that I had to to bring to the attention of every single person in in my family over this weekend. This is truth. This is the. This is not the B. And I and I say it, and I and I know I'm right, right, Pat. I've got to be right.
1: You are right. You are correct. This is not the B.
3: And the reason I know this is because the CDC came out on Friday after our show was uh, recorded and told us what piece of information, Pat, that um, the updated Pfizer BioNTech, Uh uh, which is about 85% of the shots that people are getting, right, if they're continuing to get their booster shots, I would suggest you're a moron for doing so, period, amen. Now, that having been said, those people who are continuing to do so, we are seeing a significant increase in the um, incidences of stroke and the, um, the, how shall I put this? Not just the incidence of stroke, but the increased risk of having a stroke in the group that is 65 and above. I have people in my life who that dramatically affects them, especially because they've already had strokes. How dare you, Pfizer? You just assume that these things are super fantastic expialidocious. We have told you for three years That these, these things, right? We have told you that we never tested them first off. We didn't test them long enough. We didn't test for the right things. We have Pfizer BioNTech going in front of the European Union admitting they never tested for actual transmission. They never actually tested as to whether or not they stop you from getting it. They never tested for half of the things. They rushed Operation Warp Speed out the door, right? They they rushed it all. To what extent? We continue every single week, Pat, find new horrible information. Now, will everybody who is 65 and above who gets the shot get, get a stroke? No, of course not. But if your stroke if the if your risk of stroke went from okay, to 1%, that's a problem, because a stroke can kill you. Oh, and by the way, COVID-19, even if you're above the age of 65, won't kill you at that rate. So if you want to do a strict risk-benefit analysis, Pat, right? Oh, and by the way, we also over the weekend had what piece of information come out? Another piece of information in which the CDC and other scientists involved in studying COVID-19 and the the infection fatality rates and all the other stuff, right? They readily admit this weekend, Pat, just bury that on a Friday afternoon, that they've been overcounting the death from COVID-19. No
1: bleep. That's We've been saying
3: where, that from the very get
1: go. That's actually where this article from Not the Bee goes is, is into that count. All right. Why don't you let everybody know? Uh, it is deeply encouraging to see the, the public health field slowly, but surely figure out the stuff the rest of us realized oh around March of 2020. Washington uh, from the Washington Post, we are overcounting the deaths of hospitalizations. That's the problem. And they're citing uh, Dr. Leanna Wen. Yeah, super Um, right wing, by the way. Right, right. Uh, According to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, the United States is experiencing around 400 COVID deaths every day. At that rate, that would be nearly 150,000 deaths a year. But are these Americans dying from COVID or with COVID? That's a great question. It seems odd that you didn't ask that in March of 2020 or December of 2020 (laughs) or June of 2021 or April of 2022, or, you know, any time prior to the pandemic being a whopping three years old. But I digress. Actually, no, I don't digress. That's the whole point. People have been arguing this literally for years. Hospitals are overcounting COVID deaths. Testing protocols are too broad. COVID fatality criteria are absurdly overlarge, and it's just ridiculously uh, uh, imical to to true public health. And yet, the experts are the are only just figuring this out. Determining the true number of hospitalizations from COVID has immediate practical purposes. It allows for better forecasting of hospital capacity, Doran told me. If our hospital beds are full, we attribute it to COVID. We might think that we'll be able to get beds back when the wave of infections is over. But if people are sick from other causes, the beds would stay full. Um. Yes, that's obvious and vitally important to acknowledge that. Yeah. If your hospital beds are full with COVID patients, there's a good reason to be worried. If your hospitals are full of a normal number of patients and many of them just happen to have incidental COVID diagnosis, that's very different. The distinction is absolutely crucial.
3: Right. And we, well, we Pat, we have we've we'd been, we would, that was a thing that we have been talking about since, at least on my show, because we didn't really kind of do the, uh, um, The Daily Show until, what, 2021?
1: July of 2020 is when we started.
3: Yeah. So March of 2020, that was my initial argument, and it's been my argument all along. Again, that's part of the correlation doesn't equal causation, and more importantly, garbage data in is garbage data out. And it was always going to be the case because every single hospital counts something different. We We never had a standardized metric of how we were going to identify this, right? How... Um, you need to report this information up the food chain. And every single time you reported it up the food chain, right? So the the municipality level, right? To the county level, from the county level to the state level, to the state, to the CDC federal level, right? Along, all the way up that food chain, it could change, right? It, the, the metric of, of what counts as a COVID death could have changed. It's just that simple. And it, we never had a standardized way of reporting this information. And, and so we were always going to overcount. <coughs> and my well, point was, even if we overcounted by 10%, that's a freaking problem mm-hmm. because we're we're overestimating by a large, significant population number at that point. And we talk about um, the incidence of the hospitalization number. Uh, again, even people who are on team lockdown forever, right? Even people who are super, super cautious, even to this day, uh, with, with, uh, interacting with other people, right? Even people I know in the, in, and having spent 30 plus years within the hospital administrative state. Okay. Even they were like what the hell are we doing? If we are at 90% capacity, we are actually on a good day when we talk about our hospitalizations, right? That's a right. that's a woohoo, this is an easy day <laughs> for the hospital. If we're at 95%, it's pretty normal. If we're at 99%, okay, it's busy. But we, we decided a very different thing. And again, today, Pat, I, I bring this up. I, I remember this. A friend of mine goes into the hospital with a totally unrelated situation going on, okay? They had a, their blood pressure was severely elevated, okay? Right? That's a problem, okay? Couldn't get it to come down. Okay, let's go to the hospital because that could create issues with your heart. You know, you you could have all sorts of things wrong, right? The first thing that they said to them after taking the initial information Oh, we need to test you for RSV, flu, and COVID. They're like, "What? What? Why do I need? I came here with an. Ele- do I have any other symptom, other than an elevated, uh, an, an elevated uh, blood pressure? No. Do I have a cough? Do I have anything that would associate with it elsewhere? No. Why possibly would they be wanting that information? Because it ups their bed count. Because it ups their money. Because it ups their stats. Right. If if they can say we've got more people with the flu and we got more people with this, what do they get? More grant money, more this, more that, more everything. So we're just gonna suck it all up. Every single person comes in that door. We're gonna find a way. Well, that's a relatable, a uh, uh, relatable condition, right? Well, if you have an elevated uh, blood pressure, you g- yeah, you're right. Guess what? Elevated blood pressure says that I also have a heart attack coming. Are we, are we right? Like what the hell? Elevated blood pressure with. Two or three other symptoms? Yeah, okay, go ahead. But that's the only thing I'm here for? What the hell are you doing? This is our hospital system at work because they don't think through this as a way for them to, to better inform the public. They think of this as a way to what? Their way to profit. Their profitability comes from being able to fill the bed, to be able to get grant money, to be able to get this, to get that, that's the reality of how this hospital system works today it's not about treating a patient it has nothing to do with you or I being treated properly that is the bottom of the totem pole of a hospital
1: today well and people wonder why why so many are losing trusts in institutions like this mm-hmm. yeah
3: and and I could go into the example of uh what's going on with my knee right now I, I literally said to the orthopedic surgeon, "I am not interested in f- temporary f- temporary fixes to the problem, right? Such as getting a quarter zone shot and then doing rehab that will get me right back to where I am today, like into the same spot. Okay, so temporarily, I felt better for a week and a half. Great, That's fantastic. I'm interested in finding out what the actual physical problem is and if it is something that is surgical let's fix it right? And if it's something that we can't fix surgically what is the what is the solution so that I no longer have this issue. And he was like, "Well, I'm a surgeon. I don't I'm not focused I'm focused on fixing your problem currently." Um what? He was like <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, that's the system we live in, is that it's no longer about fixing the problem, right? It's about fixing your current situation. How do we alleviate your current problem? I was like, okay, go elsewhere. <laughs> He's like, but anywhere you go, any surgeon, they're not, they're not going to be fixated on correcting the problem unless there is an actual like a tear or whatever else have you. Th- that's not what we can do surgically. I was like, uh, what? <laughs> it was unbelievable. But anyway, we only bring these things up to, to have you understand three years in, these people are now admitting the things that we knew three years ago to be true. This has been the, the longest gaslighting I have ever seen, and the American people by and large are still buying it. The amount of people that still believe that masking up does anything is unfathomable to me. Literally, we've got years and years and years of evidence of this not working. The amount of people who still to this day will stand six feet apart from each other or still hesitate to give each other a handshake or a hug. What the F? All right. So with that having all been said, Pat, one of the biggest trends right now in America to begin 2023 is the quote-unquote anti-gas stove movement, right? You see AOC and, and her crusade and and the far-left socialist crowd and, and the, the hipster MSNBC crowd, right? Mm-hmm. No more gas stoves. Down with the gas stove, right? Because why? Because uh, one article presents to us a, an increased risk of asthma and cancer, allegedly. So been looking through some data and, and attempting to find the right sources of data because they do matter, right? Okay, so what if that that one source is true? Let's find out, right? Let's let's do the research on this. Well, there's nobody better on this subject than Alex Epstein. He wrote a book on uh what the heck was the title of the book, Pat? Um but he's an author of one of the best Articles on climate change and fossil fuels. Okay. Is it, is it fossil future? Yes, fossil future is the title mm-hmm. of that book, and it's absolutely fantastic. If you've never read it, go read it. It's actually a really easy read. Um, but it will tell you why he believes and why our future should still stay within fossil fuels while also mixing other things in. By the way, he he's not a one or the other, he's all of the above. Um Especially nuclear fuel, by the way, but let's go ahead and get into this, Pat, because um, Alex Epstein starts off a great Twitter thread that I think is important for us to to negotiate. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. so Alex Epstein begins with this. Calls to ban gas stoves are anti-science, anti-freedom and anti-energy. Instead of informing us with accurate science about gas stoves so that we can make better decisions, anti-fossil fuel activists are distorting science to justify forcing their anti-gas agenda on us. So this is going to be the beginning of a thread from him. But notice how he says... They're distorting science. This isn't about politics for him. This is about science. This is about the reality of science and what it can and can't tell us, what it does and doesn't inform us upon. So that's why I was attracted to this, right? This is not somebody just spewing some political agenda. This is a guy who is deeply involved with the science, deeply involved with the numbers, the data, the industries of fossil fuels and non-fossil fuels and climate activists. He is somebody who literally will go on stage and debate anybody at any point in time when it comes to the the climate change uh, situation, right? Right. Okay. But he continues stating early 2023 has featured a carefully orchestrated campaign in which a paper whose lead author is an anti-fossil fuel activist claims that gas stoves cause 12.7% of child asthma. Number two, the federal government and New York propose bans on new gas stoves. We should reject this campaign. Now, again, Pat, this is exactly what started this, right? One paper telling us twelve point seven percent of childhood asthma's is cover is caused by gas stoves. Would or would that not be a problem?
1: Yes, um, that would be a problem to me. I'm I'm, I'm guessing that that twelve point seven percent is extremely distorted.
3: We're about to find out. <clears throat> because the campaign to gas stoves should be rejected for three reasons. Number one, families have the right to incorporate any real science about gas stoves as they judge best. Number two, the 12.7% claim is a distortion of science. And number three, the anti-gas movement is a threat to our grid and therefore our health. And what he what he is talking about here, Pat, is the movement towards what? The movement away from Gas stoves, so natural gas, propane, right. right, right, I don't think people who live in urban areas understand the importance of propane for life in rural America. I don't. No, I don't no they think. don't. They don't. They have no freaking clue. Mm-mm. None. It is the lifeblood of people who live in well, just live in urban area. No, no. <laughs> you're you're no. making the you, you're making people you're making the opposite argument that you should be making, because honestly, it's we should be living less urban lives, right? Because the urban centers are the ones that are creating the heat. They're creating the issues, right? Uh, our mass <laughs> our mass of people are creating the issues. But Alex continues um, down this road. Whether and how to use a gas or electric stove should be determined by individuals and families based on what they judge best. For example, many will rationally choose to use a cheaper, more functional gas stove with good ventilation as the best option. There are many decisions that families make that affect kids' health far more than a gas versus an electric stove. What kinds of food kids eat, how much exercise they get, how much more money parents allocate to health versus other expenses? Do governments then get to dictate all of these? And I want to stop right there, Pat, because I firmly believe that's exactly the route that these people who are anti-gas stove would tell you they would want to go. That yes, the government has, because this is a public health emergency, the government's going to have the right to tell you that. I guarantee you that the AOCs, the Ayanna Presleys, Ilan Omar's, the squads, right? I guarantee you the Gory Bushes of the world, Stacey Abrams, all those types of people, the, the Democratic Socialists of America types, will tell you that's exactly the role of government. Now, it's anti, it is anti, not even democracy, it's anti-American Republican democracy to have that suggestion. No, the government has no role in this other than to maybe help us inform ourselves, right? Maybe, at best, to have that role as an informational source, at best. He continues saying, Does anyone have the right to dictate what parents feed their kids, how much exercise they get, and how much of their money families spend on health care? No. They only have the right to try to persuade parents with good info and arguments. The same applies to gas stoves. Whenever someone offers you quote-unquote science, not to inform your voluntary choices, but to impose a ban on you, you can be confident that what they are calling science is a distortion. This is certainly the case with the pseudoscience claim that gas stoves cause 12.7% of childhood asthma. Well, why does he say that, Pat, right? Like, what is the argument here? Well, let's take a look at this, because... He says that any confident claim that something causes specifically X percent of asthma is BS. Why? He says asthma is a cluster of symptoms that researchers do not have a clear causal picture, of, a causal picture of, or causal picture of, as the NIH states. "Quote: The exact cause of asthma is unknown, and the causes may be different from person to person." So, what he is stating here from the very get-go pat is already the 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 idea the the very basis of the idea that there's any sort of a percentage that you could possibly tell somebody of childhood asthma existing because of xyz is insane they've never been able to do that why because it's it's an individualized situation somebody can get asthma for a myriad of reasons right Somebody could have um, cold-induced asthma, by the way, right? Like if you go out in the cold and you try to exercise, it will create asthma for you. Or you could have exercise-induced asthma, right? You could have all sorts of different things that could cause your individual asthma. And to suggest that we know what that causal relationship is, is BS, according to Epstein. But he continues telling us, Pat, that strong evidence... Stoves are not a leading concern for asthma. In the U.S., both California, a state with one of the highest gas stove uses, and North Dakota, a state with one of the lowest gas stove uses, have some of the lowest asthma rates.
1: Not going to lie, I kind of thought that would be the other way around. You would think California would be one of the ones that using the most electric stoves and North Dakota, being a more rural state, would be using more gas stoves. You would think that, but that, that doesn't seem to be the case.
3: No, not at all. But he continues saying, observe the CDC data shows that between 1980 and the mid-1990s, asthma rates almost doubled despite a significant decline in air pop uh, pollution. This is an anti-correlation that contradicts the narrative that asthma is mainly caused by pollution. Again, nearly doubled despite a decline in air pollution. Because what are we making the argument about, or what is the argument about gas stoves? That they emit what? Pollution. Right. Like, bad things. And I will tell you this, if you have a gas stove with poor ventilation, you're in trouble. But also, Pat, what if you just lit a fire in your house? Like a gas, like a, not even a gas fire, just a regular fire, wood fire, And you didn't have proper ventilation of that. What would
1: happen? You're in deep trouble.
3: Yeah, you would have a a lot bigger air pollution problem. Um, Mm. Also, your house was likely to burn down. Right. And that's the argument that he's mainly making. Because he says here that honest scientists recognize what causes asthma is unknown and might be many factors. Ambient air pollution was long blamed for asthma. But the data for ambient pollution and asthma anti-correlate in Western countries. and asthma anti-correlate. So the two don't exist, right? That we, we should see a, a linear relationship, and we don't. We we see the opposite happening, right? The gas stove banners are not honest scientists. He also points out this pat. Um oh it's this one, sorry, wrong one. Despite significant decrease in U.S. ambient air pollution over the last decades, asthma prevalence increased. Without a really precise understanding of all of the moving pieces, detailed attribution to things like gas stoves without empirical research is pretentious pseudoscience. And you might say to yourself, Pat, well, also we should probably understand whom is making the claim, right? Right. That's also something that I always look into. Who ne- Who is making the claim? Where? Why are they making this claim? What is the relationship between the claim and maybe their funding, right? I think that's always a, an important correlation to understand. Well, Epstein dug in and notes this. The lead author of the paper used to argue for gas stove bans is affiliated with the Rocky Mountain Institute, headed by? Amory Lovins, an anti energy quote unquote energy expert, who has said, quote, it would be little short of disastrous for us to discover a source of clean, cheap, abundant energy. <laughs> now, Epstein almost finishes his argument by stating that opponents of fossil fuels consistently commit the same fallacy. They argue for restrictions or bans on fossil fuels by ignoring the enormous benefits of fossil fuels and catastrophizing fossil fuels' negative side effects. Their latest effort is focused on life-giving natural gas. Natural gas is completely crucial to our prosperity and therefore our health. Gas is our leading source of electricity and and provides vital energy for heating and for gas stoves. Anti-gas policies thus make us more dependent on electricity that is more expensive and unreliable. Observe the trend of the anti-fossil fuel movement telling us we need to electrify everything, and opposing reliable electricity sources. A crucial protection against this is the right to use non-electric devices, cars, heaters, and stoves. We must fight for this protection. That's the point here. On the one hand, they are attempting to eliminate the abundant, cheap, clean, you know, cleaner sources of energy right now. The abundant energy sources. And we have to flip them off for the unreliable, (laughs) expensive, right? There's nothing more unreliable today than solar energy and more importantly, wind-powered energy. This is the most unreliable, expensive source of energy you can possibly come up with in the world today. And oh, by the way, when you use that wind-powered energy source, you are still using fossil fuels because fossil fuels power those turbines. And fossil fuels power the ability to harness the energy, right, and put it into your house. It's ridiculous. Now, He also notes, Pat, that the CDC's latest asthma surveillance shows that the most important factors in asthma prevalence are income and ethnicity, with ethnicity likely being another income indicator. As usual, wealth is health. Decreasing wealth via anti-fossil fuel policies is anti-health. Anti fossil fuel activists have jumped on the opportunity to stir up panic about gas stoves. One parodied the twelve point seven percent fabrication, then ran a viral self experiment finding his emissions above recommended levels. His solution is not better ventilation, but forcing his agenda. And that comes from Michael Thomas, by the way. One of the biggest threats to our health is the use of pseudoscientific health claims about the side effects of fossil fuels, in order to deprive us of the life and health-saving benefits of fossil fuels, including abundant, affordable, healthy food and modern medicine. The proper response to the gas stove banners, and this is important, tell them that you're interested in in, in a valid science that want. Uh, excuse me, tell them that you're interested in invalid science they want to offer you voluntarily, but that you will fight them to the death when they use pseudoscience to take away our freedom to produce and use energy. If I have said this a thousand times over, government forcing anything like this is wrong. And why? Because if the market demands it, if the market wants it, right? It will end up being produced. It will end up being abundantly produced, cheaply produced, safely produced. Why? Because as soon as people find out it's not safe, as soon as people find out it's not cheap or abundant, they will go elsewhere. The market will always drive this. We are just not there from a market perspective. More importantly, if we want to talk about anything the government can do to help us voluntarily go one direction or the other, right? It would be what? updating our grid. It would be making sure our grid is secure and safe and updated. We haven't built enough new power stations in this country in decades. We're talking like the 1980s, I think was the last time we built a new real power station in the United States of America. One of the things that you will talk about or hear from the defense side of things is our energy grid is the most vulnerable part. And once that happens, what else happens? It is the first domino to the rest of it falling. I will tell you this. If you wanted to defeat the United States of America in a war, right? A real one. You wanted to end the United States of America. One thing and one thing only. You knock our grid off. You knock it out. Knock our power grid out. We wouldn't be able to produce food, energy, anything that would sustain us. It it would be that simple. We don't focus on that, but we're focused on, oh my God, my gas stove. Look, properly ventilation, proper ventilation of that is important. It's always been important because you are putting what? Colorless, odorless not orderless, but colorless thing into your home. Yeah, you need to know it. It's the same thing as uh, carbon monoxide, right? You need to know whether that thing exists in your home or not because you really can't tell. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a water heater or you don't have um, you know, an HVAC
1: system in your house. Again, these are simply. this part of being a homeowner is, is these are things to watch out for.
3: Yes. Is it important to be properly informed on a on electric versus gas stoves? Absolutely. There are, for instance, living in a high rise in the middle of a city, gas stoves are a really stupid idea. Why? <laughs> because you would have to get the gas all the way up in the air. And do you know how many levels that that could fail at? That would be Too the many. dumbest thing that you could possibly do unless you were building those gas that, that gas pipeline on every level independent of each other, right? All yep. it takes is one leak, poof, down goes your entire building. That would be stupid. But if you live out in the country and you have no way to get any source of fuel other than that propane tank, right? Propane and propane accessories, Hank Hill. If you have no way of getting any other source of of power to your house or any other source of heat to your house, except for a propane tank, you do it more importantly, it can be more efficient at times, by the way can cost you less money
1: by the way. Remember how we talked about that cost factor at the beginning of the show when it comes to climate change and energy. Mm -hmm. There you go. They are attempting to strip your
3: freedom to voluntarily choose a product. That's what they're attempting to do here. They they want to couch it as you're doing a thing that's good for your children, right? Or for your health. Again, this is the argument Epstein is making. I want you to understand this. This is the argument you need to be making at home. There is absolutely no way in hell you can make a causational or a correlative argument. Because we cannot know for certain, any cl- anywhere close to an estimation of certainty, that 12.7% of new asthma cases are coming from gas stoves. How? It is an impossibility because it turns out that asthma is a myriad of factors, including your wealth, including your ethnicity, and also your... Uh, your exposure to healthy foods and your exposure to healthy conditions, right? There's all sorts of things that can contribute to it. Your genetics can be involved in that. There's been a uh, there's been a myriad of studies out there, Pat, that prove that there's at least some sort of a genetic link to the chance of these things happening. If you have asthma, there's a chance that you might pass it along. Now, there's no proven correlative right? It is a possibility scientifically, but it is is still also a possibility that exposure to certain gases could potentially cause this, right? I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing that, but the certainty of which the, the one paper that's out there, the one, the certainty with which the anti-fossil fuel movement is, is putting this information out there is absurd. So if you want to fight it, ask them very simply, have you considered any other factor, is there any other factor that could increase your risk of cancer, could increase your risk of childhood asthma, which these that, that article, that one article, that one paper presented as just undeniable truth? Here's the argument you make. It's very simple. Again, You have no causational relationship proof, none. So if you're going to try to strip me of your of freedom, right? If you're going to try to do that, you better have the goods. And you don't. You can't. It's an impossibility. Just like it is when, well, it prevented X amount of deaths, right? For COVID. that It's impossible to know. It, it, well, we, the, the, the vaccine prevent, prevented X amount of infections. Bullshit. You have no idea of knowing. Prove it. And then when you go to the people who are attempting to prove it, what are they using, Pat? Models. Mm -hmm. Not, Not actual proof because it is an impossibility to prove in reality land. Not in the IHME and Imperial College science land. It comes down to two arguments here. You can't make the poor care about climate change more than their ability to live. And you can't make people who want to make decisions, right? You can't make people make involuntary decisions when it comes to their energy. Because to do so would be to suggest what? That you want more people to be poor? That's the ultimate argument that when when you break it all the way down, you want people to go from the wealth of today to the wealth of a hundred years ago. And ain't nobody. And I mean nobody on this planet that wants that. Like I, I find it hilarious, Pat. I I saw I, I saw this over the weekend. There was a thing about the uh it was like the starving childs in Africa, you know, thing, right? And I get it, malnutrition, that's terrible, it's awful, it is horrible to see, and we should try to do our best for it. Remember back in the like, the 1990s, it was, they're living off of less than $1 a day, right? So if you if you donated $1 a month to this charity, right? It's now, they're living off of less than $10 a day. So they 10x their ability <laughs> to to live. That's progress, not bad. <laughs> like, wait a minute. So we're we're giving them the tools and the resources and the education and the the um the ability to to help themselves, help themselves, right? And they're doing it. And and now we need even wait what no let them figure it out. Let them go from 10xing from $10 a day to $100 a day, right? Let's let's watch that happen. It's not because we force-fed them anything, right? It's because we gave them the tools and the resources to figure it out themselves. And that we have allowed them to go up that ladder, that rung of of wealth themselves. We didn't force it. It was voluntary. Anytime that the government attempts to force anything upon you, this is the libertarian position, anytime the government attempts to force anything upon you that is a restriction that has nothing to do with whether you, like for instance, murder, right? That's a restriction, right? Government is saying you can't do that, right? Because why? You violate the basic tenets of humanity. Anytime outside of that, the government is attempting to restrict how you interact, They're doing it wrong. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts.
1: Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And don't forget to worship at the altar of Santa
3: Please be safe. Be kind. Be smart. As always, make sure you eat all your meals. And Matthew 547. And by the way, folks, before we uh, actually leave here, if you're, you're curious what the hell we're talking about with our ending here, um, it's very simple. We had a really horrible customer service experience with our friends at Xfinity, aka Comcast, um, at 1130 on a Saturday night, trying to figure out uh, why something wasn't working. And while the person was stalling for time to get an answer from somebody up the food chain, decided to make a small talk asking us, my wife and I, whether we had eaten all of our meals that day look, I have worked in customer service for the better part of a decade. You don't ask awkward questions. You ask basic questions. <laughs> have you eaten all your meals today? And then the explanation of why I asked that question was because he wanted to become a doctor, right? That was that was my favorite part. I wanted to become a doctor. Instead, now I'm helping people a different way so I want to make sure that people also are still influenced by making sure they eat their meals today. Now, I will say this, probably somebody from like the Philippines or, you know, um, Thailand is likely where they're from, right? Okay. So in those countries, again, food insecurity is a thing, right? Their ability to actually eat every single day for some people is a reality. Okay. But you're talking to somebody in America here, like, what, what? That's not a thing that most of us are going to worry about. So I appreciate why he was asking the question. It was the most awkward thing I have ever experienced. So, folks, please make sure you eat all your meals today. And with that, Pat, uh, we will see everybody tomorrow for a Truth or Fiction Tuesday. Do not forget, you can send your truth or fiction statements to us. I'm at The Coppin Show. He's at The Pat Oni Show. So send those in to us. I'm going to tweet it out today. Uh, Reply back to that tweet. Give us your truth or fiction statements, and we will read them on the air and discuss. It's not hard, folks. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Send them our way. And with that, have yourselves a great rest of your day.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.